So typically I'm gone every first month of the, of the, every first Sabbath of the month, as you already know. So Ashley, I got you slotted down for August. Um, I, want to, I want to invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Father God, as we are here to illustrate just a slice of what it means to to know you, to trust you, what that is, what that entails, Father, I pray that you will bless us by giving us an ear to, to hear your word this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to put a verse on the screen here for you. And this verse is going to kind of pave the way for what we're going to be talking about. And the verse comes from the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 17. And it says, let's all read together. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's say that again. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. By hearing. When I was a little boy, I used to love to hear the stories that my grandfather used to tell me. He, my, my grandfather was a literature evangelist. What that means is that he used to go house to house, and he would knock on people's doors to sell books and there were books about Jesus. And so he did this for 40 years. That was his profession. That's what he lived. That's how he retired as a literature evangelist. And he was very good at it. And he got so good at it that he learned Uruguayan Spanish, Argentinian Spanish. And what I mean by that is he could speak fluently with the accent of that region. And if, if you thought, well, most of you here know that in English, and we have those that live up in, in Massachusetts, they park the car by the yard, you know. And then those that live here in Florida, I still don't know how to do the southern twang or southern or Florida drawl or whatever it is one day. But there are accents, right? in the different various parts of the countries. And even in the Spanish language, you have different accents. You have the Argentinian accent. You have the Peruvian accent. You have the, the Puerto Rican. And you have the Mexican. And so you have all these, they speak the same language per se, but different accents. So my grandfather was able to do that. And he also spoke fluent German without an accent and Portuguese. And so he would tell me these stories of his adventures, how he would take and, and ride his bicycle, because back then he didn't, there were no cars that he could afford. And he would drive, and he'd be gone for weeks and, and going from one town to another, riding his bike, selling books, and, and telling me how God provided for him and how God blessed him and how God protected him. And so I want to 
kind of pave the way here for you to one of the most exciting Bible readings you will find in the Old Testament. I want you to open up to Genesis chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 11. I am going to read this really quickly because it's so exciting. This is one of the funnest Bible readings you will ever have. Genesis chapter 11, verses 10, and it starts this way. This is the genealogy of Shem. If you have read the Bible before, when you see a phrase or a sentence that starts like that, it's immediately one of the best uh, recipes for a good night's sleep. Okay? And the genealogy of Shem. Who was Shem? One of Noah's sons. Very good. This is one of the three sons that went into the ark. We just finished talking about Noah. Okay? So Shem was 100 years old and he begot. Here's one of the coolest names I found in the Bible. Arphaxad. Can you all say that? Arphaxad? Arphaxad. Hey, Arphaxad. Could you, rem- could you imagine being, having that name? Arphaxad. So Shem begat Arphaxad at 100 years old. And after he begot Arphaxad, Shem lived 500. I'm going to skip and read only the first lines of these verses so, we can, so you, you'll get the picture. So Arphaxad lived 35 years and begot Salah. Salah lived 35 years and begot Eber. And Eber lived 34 years and he begot Peleg. That's another cool name, Peleg. Peleg lived 30 years and he begot Ru. And Ru lived 32 years and he begot Sereg. And Sereg lived 30 years and he begot Nahor. And Nahor lived 29 years and he begot Terah. And Terah lived 70 years and begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. What's so special about this genealogy? You see, back then, there was something that was called oral tradition. And oral tradition meant that stories would be passed down from generation to generation. And so here you have Abram which became Abraham, you have his descendants all the way to Noah. So Abraham was Noah's great, 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 great grandson. So you had all these people sharing stories about how the flood went and everything else and how God provided for them. Remember, the earth was utterly destroyed and God provided a way for Noah and his family to survive. And all these stories that happened in between made their way and trickled down all the way to now we find verse 1 in chapter 12. In chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, says this. I will make you a great nation. Says, get out of your country. Here it is. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and your father's house to a land that I will show you. 
and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and you and all the families of the earth will be blessed. Man, Abraham is such a, a difficult character to preach on because there's too much to talk about. There's absolutely too much to, to talk about. But one of the things, now kids, can you think if, if, if somebody went up to you and says, I need you to leave your father's house, who would be excited to do that? Who would be wanting to do that? Oh, but believe me, if you haven't raised your hand, you probably will when you're about 15 or 16. Right? When we were 15 or 16, we're like, I can't wait to get out of my dad's house. But Abraham was called at a late age. He still lived with his family, his father. He still lived in the confines of his family unit. He was married to Sarai, and God appeared to him and says, I need you to leave to a place I'm going to show you. And that doesn't exude a lot, whole lot of confidence. I want you to go to a place you've never been before. I want you to go to a place to live you've never seen, to meet people you never talked to before. And by the way, I will show you on the way. Who wants to come on this trip? That's like me, my man. There you go. You get a high five, man. That's it. All right. So you want to go on a trip? We're going to go on a trip eventually. But that's like me coming to you and say, hey, church, we're going on a mission trip. Where? You need to trust me. What are we going to do? I'll show you when we get there. Who's coming? I don't know. Whoever wants to come. Who would sign up? First question is, wait a minute, where are we going? How are we getting there? Well, the Bible tells us that Abraham left his household. The word that is used there is to decidedly leave. Like he says, hey, mom, dad, adios. I'm out. And so he left with everything he owned. He was cut off and he started wandering, going to a place that he did not know. What is interesting is that there's a clear contrast here between what happens here in chapter 12 to what happened during the flood. During the flood, God appeared to Noah and says, I am going to destroy. But now God appears to Abraham and says, I'm going to build up. I am going to make your name great. But here's, here's the cool thing about this. You know, we don't, have, we don't place emphasis on names as people did back then. My name is an Anglo-Saxon name comes from which is Arthur and its definition means strong as a bear when I read this 
in high school, my best friend at the time, Eddie Camus, he's like, yeah, strong as a teddy bear maybe. <laughs> but we give people names because we either think they sound cool or we think it's a pretty name. But back then, they gave names to people because they meant something. And so when God says here, I am going to bless you, I'm going to make your name great. Because he actually does this later in verse 7. It says, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to Abram, excuse me, to your descendants I will give this land, and there he will build an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west of Ai on the east. God showed Abraham where he was going to go, but the blessing there places an emphasis on not just the name, but the reputation would precede him. God was going to bless Abraham for obeying. Now, this is the key. We put an emphasis on trust because God asked Abram to leave his parents, to leave his household and go to a place he'd never been to, to go to a place he's never seen, to go to and meet people he's never heard of or talked to before. And what was Abram's reaction? He left. Did he question? Did he put did he sulk? Did he come up with excuses like, I don't want to leave my house. I'm, I'm good here. I'm chill. You know, like, why? There's a verse in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. When we trust in God, it means that we forego our way. You're not hearing me. When we trust in God, we forego our will. Oh, some of you are starting to catch on. When we trust in God, we forego our will. What that means is whatever plans that we had come up with and if God is saying no, is no. If God is saying yes, we move forward. But sometimes we are like, ah, but that is uncomfortable. Abram was the definition of uncomfortable. To leave his household, to leave his the place he grew up with, the family unit, the safety of that environment to a place he did not know because God told him to. See, Jesus also said, if you love me, John 14, 15, obey my commandments. It's not just the Ten Commandments that we're talking about. It's God's commands. If God is asking you to go somewhere to do something, what should be our response? Yes, Lord. To trust the same way that Abraham trusted 
means that we obey. There's another verse in the Bible that says, faith without works is dead. This is not salvation by works. Works, let me, I'm going to substitute the word, I'm going to take the liberty to do this. You'll understand why. Faith without obedience is dead. See, we need to obey God's commandments. It's not because the commandments save us. No. We obey. In other words, we follow. We keep. The evidence of faith is obedience. And that's how we move forward. When we ask our kids, hey, go clean your room. Go, you know, turn off the TV. Get off the phone. Yeah, literally. We expect an, an outcome. They can say they trust us, but if they don't obey us, there's something wrong there. The same thing happens when it comes to our relationship with God. If God asks us to do something for him, no matter how uncomfortable it will be, he's going to build you up. Your, your, your reputation will precede you because you are a child of God. See, trust is funny. I want to ask Victor to help me with this. Victor is pretty shy. I need you to pick out. How many pencils do you want? Not to keep, but how many pencils do you want? Between one and ten. You want five. Okay, go ahead. Take, take these. Take five pencils out, please. See, this is interesting. He has absolutely no clue. Well, he may now. It's busted. <laughs> it's okay. No, I didn't. I didn't pour it wrong. Here, come here. We're going to come up here. It's all right. We'll make it work. Do you trust me? Yeah. Why do you trust me? You've seen this trick before, but, okay, but why do you trust me? Have you thought about that? Uh, I know. So, if I put this in here, it's 
So should I put one more? Yeah. You want one more? Yeah. You feel safe? Yes. You sure? What if I pull one of these out? No? All right. You want me to keep going, or is this enough for you? You want me to keep going? Last one? Okay. All right. So, were there any... Were there any drops of water that fell on you? The bag was wet, right? Okay. But did me poking this bag and the hole cause water to fall on you? Okay. Did you trust that you were, gonna, you were not going to get wet? You did. But why did you trust? I, let, so let's do this. Let's take this out now. Why did you trust? It's okay. You can take your time. Okay, so the pencils, when they go through, they block the water from coming out. But why did you trust me? Because you know I'm going to keep you safe. All right, thank you. And go sit down. You can take take that back. Thank you, Steve. How often have we? question our safety when God is the one who's calling us? How often have we doubted God's calling because we can't see where he's leading us? How often have we said no to a call that Jesus has made because we haven't trusted him? Because we don't have the courage to step out in faith, knowing that he's going to keep us safe. Now, keep us safe doesn't mean that we're always going to be without trials or without difficulty. To keep us faith, excuse me, to keep us safe means that we will be in God's hands all the time. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's not just the Ten Commandments but it's the commands that God has asked you to do. Maybe it is to leave your house. Maybe it is, let me step out in faith here. Maybe it is to leave that job that has been causing you headaches, turmoils. It's putting you in a place where you have to compromise your faith. Or, or maybe God has asked you to give up a relationship with someone 
or, or people. Or maybe, because, or, 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 or maybe God is calling you to, hey, take some time. I need, we need to spend some time together. No matter what that cost is, trust me. See, the calling for Abraham or for Abram is the same calling I want to give you this morning. Get out of the comfort of your own family, from your own household, so you can have a land that I'm going to show you when I come back. Because I'm going to bless you. But that blessing is predicated on your obedience to my calling. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. And I'm going to curse those who curse you. I pray that as you wrestle with God, with the calling that he has for you today, that you will trust him. That you will obey him. That you will listen to his voice. And as you listen, step out in faith. You know, I shared with you two weeks ago my, my experience with skydiving. I'm going to use that same experience to illustrate this again. The problem isn't trusting the parachute. The problem is when you have your toes up on the edge of the line of the plane and you're seeing the ground at 12,000 feet is for you to jump. It's the same rush when you, when you accept God's calling for your life. I guarantee it. It's that same rush. When you decide to jump, oh, there's a minute or two, excuse me, a few seconds where you're wondering, oh, what's going on? And then you begin to establish control and you can start con- controlling your, your descent. God is going to help you through each step of the way. God is going to show you how you're going to move forward. Just as he did with Abraham, with Abram, because he wasn't Abraham at the time. He says, go, I will show you. If he's calling you, he's going to enable you. If he's calling you, he's going to show you. If he's calling you, he's going to strengthen you. If he's calling you, he's going to provide for you. I promise you that. Do not doubt his calling, but step out in faith. Just as Abraham did. You trust his calling because it's him who's calling, not anybody else. May God bless you.